Welcome to the Sports Squire Podcast, a platform engineered specifically for you to deliver content relative to the fields of training, performance, and rehabilitation. Challenge the status quo and raise your game through changing your mindset and your action. As you embark on your journey as a sports squire, subscribe to the show to get real-time updates to new episodes. Don't miss an opportunity to apply what you've learned today. Explore, engage, learn, implement, benefit. This is the way of the sports squire. Welcome, sports squire community. I'm your host, Brad Howe. I'm a former collegiate athlete, exercise enthusiast, and physical therapist in the realm of orthopedics and sports rehab over the last decade. Episode 8, Benefits of Training Within Your Different Target Heart Rate Zones. This this category, this subject is something that has of recent subject matter become extremely, uh, you know, close to my heart, no pun intended, um, in regards to, you know, how uh, I've implemented different thoughts and strategies around my own personal wellness. And, uh, you know, just to share a little bit of a a story with all of you, I I made a decision about six weeks ago that looking at my, my periodization, my planning of, of, uh, you know, looking at all things from flexibility to strength, strength program, I was really missing the cardiovascular component of my wellness program, and it's something for a long time that I haven't been very consistent with. You know, I've had periods of time throughout my life where I've trained for many marathons, I've trained for 5Ks, I've trained for fun runs or turkey trots, uh, you know, I play pickup basketball, you know, which gets my heart rate up, but I've never really been on a consistent, uh, you know, intentional heart rate zone plan. And for the last six weeks, I've had an opportunity to do that. And so what that's looked like for me is, you know, I think I mentioned in in a couple episodes before that I've got a good friend, uh, Alex Ruoff, who um, has has been on this 30-day binge. He was on a 30-day binge of running five miles every single day. And he's been running now for a few years and has built up to that point in time. But he had asked me to go for a run on on a Saturday that was a cool kind of rainy day and really, really pushed me. And, uh, you know, my heart rate was outrageous for the average, uh, you know, beats per minute throughout the entire five mile run. And, you know, I really felt awful. And, and, you know, what I came to the conclusion of after that, that run was that I just wasn't prepared or ready for, you know, that distance or that level of, of heart rate intensity at that point in time. So what that led me to sparked me to kind of think about was, how do I get back into consistent running, you know, for my overall wellness, for, uh, you know, the health, you know, for, for just getting back into, um, you know, a better target heart rate zone where I can reap the health benefits uh, of everything that, that is to be offered by, by maintaining your heart rate within those zones. So six weeks ago, I, I made a decision that I was going to run three times a week for 30 minutes. And my goal is, is that I wanted to, to keep my heart rate on average around 160 beats per minute for that 30 minutes. And if I was able to do that, then that means that I would be, you know, right around my 80% of heart rate max. And that would allow me then to track progress over that six week time. And it's been really super cool to, to see, you know, I, I got a Fitbit, a new Fitbit, I'm not, not a campaigning or endorsing Fitbit, but it's a wonderful product. I know a lot of people love the Apple watches that are out there. I think those are super cool too. But what I love about the Fitbit is one, it's a little bit cheaper than the Apple watch. And number two, the app is 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 wonderful in regards to just 
being able to, to clearly lay out all of your, your fitness benchmarks and it's got some encouraging blogs and, uh, you know, different things that you can look at on there. But, you know, one of the things that that's really uh, shown true over the last six weeks is that my resting heart rate has drastically went down. You know, six weeks ago, I started at 60 beats per minute. And, you know, fast forward to last week, my average heart rate was 54 beats per minute, you know, for a resting heart rate. So, I'm seeing the the impact of of what this target heart rate training has done for me personally, and you know my vantage point, my feedback is I I feel great. Um, I, I feel you know the most amount of energy that I've had in a long time. My outlook on things is is so much better. Um, you know, circling back to what I you know spoke about you know during the whole entire segment of build a better brain, you know all of those uh, you know abilities to override that prefrontal cortex and really help, you know, modulate your mood and, and regulate, you know, you know, just, just being a, an a-hole or a jerk, you know, and and I just feel like I've just had such a more positive outlook. So I'm extremely grateful that I've had the, the consistency to be able to do this. Um, but it wasn't easy, you know, and, and I think, uh, what I want to, to pinpoint for all of you is that you need to bring into your training program some, level of, of consciousness and feedback in regards to your heart rate. And, you know, you can do that manually. You don't have to have technology to track and to, and to, you know, have the, the fancy, you know, pulse LED, um, you know, sensors that are, that are tracking your heart rate. You can do it simply, you know, by, you know, filling your jugular, you can do it by putting it on your radial pulse, which is, you know, right within the, the crease of your wrist um, on the radial side, radius side, which is on the thumb side, and you know you can simply you know calculate you know a ten second period and then multiply by six, however many you count. Uh, but I do highly, highly recommend if you do have a smartwatch that it's something I know a lot of people you know that have smartwatches that don't necessarily wear them on a consistent basis. And you know if you do have them, strongly encourage you to keep that thing charged up. You know, I've found that, you know, the, the hardest thing to do, because I, I like to sleep in mine as well, and to get, you know, sleep stats on how long I'm sleeping, the different waves that I'm sleeping based upon my heart rate. And in order for me to do that, it's got to be charged. So I've found every time I'm in my car, I've got my Fitbit charger in there and I plug it in. Um, that way I can keep that thing going, you know, 24-7 and, and really get the full feedback of data metrics that I want to have for my own health. So I uh, strongly recommend that, it, wearing that on a regular basis if you do have one. If you don't have one, I'm not saying you need to go out and buy one. You can do this manually. You're just going to have to do it uh, do it a little bit more manually, and it's going to be a little bit more labor-intensive in regards to recording that. With that being said, you know, I want to put first things first and just create an overview for everyone in regards to what this segment will be about what levels of, of detail that we're going to get into as we, we move from one subject line to the next subject line. I think putting first things first, the most important thing to understand and to be aware of is that everyone is at their own turning point within their own health and wellness. They have You have your own individuality in regards to your own target heart rate zone. And it's it's impossible to create generalizations around where people should be at without taking into consideration your individual metrics in regards to your own resting heart rate or potentially some genetic components that may impact 
your heart rate or maybe even some medications that you're on that may impact your heart rate. So if you're someone that has not exercised for a while or have uh, you know several comorbidities or things that make you nervous about that, just go get checked out. You know, get a medical professional who can essentially give you confidence that you are healthy and that you're cleared to start on a slow, moderate, progressive heart rate training plan. I think that's that's most important to to starting out and to understand is that you've got to make sure that before you even start a target heart rate plan that you are healthy enough to actually get on that plan. That is the big disclaimer for this episode, but to to bullet point what we'll be talking about, I want to really focus on how important warm-up is. I want to identify five zones of heart rate training and some of the benefits that you get and how your body is using different energy systems like fats, carbohydrates, proteins in order to to fuel your heart rate and and your exercise during those specific training zones. I do want to continue to, to emphasize you know, that there is danger in not tracking your heart rate in regards to knowing what your exercise intensity is, and we'll get into some details with that. And then just identifying that consistency is key. If you are looking for results and you want to track where you're at starting a, a new heart rate program over time, it's pretty easy to look and see, you know, what happens to your heart rate over time in regards to, you know, impacting your resting heart rate, which should be lowering the healthier you get. And looking at your cool down time and, and, and noticing that your heart rate is dropping down to more normal levels more quickly after higher bouts of exercise intensity. And even in the middle of your exercise bouts, starting to recognize that you are able to do the same amount of intensity at a lower heart rate, which means that your heart is adapting and having the ability to strengthen that muscle to produce more blood volume with less beats per minute. So a lot of really good information today. And I'm excited to share, you know, this popular heart rate training. It's, it's, it's starting to catch on. It's becoming a trend. A lot of you are starting to see the Orange Theory fitness, uh, you know, outlets starting to pop up all over the place. Very heart rate specific uh, zone training type of, uh, of platforms that, you know, are becoming extremely popular. And then, you know, looking at what they call the lists, which is low intensity, steady state cardio. A lot of the celebrity trainers have made this uh, very popular because of the fact of how these low intensity, you know, heart rate zones can help to burn higher levels of fat. But ultimately, to get the best results from these types of workouts, you really need to know for you specifically where your specific heart rate zone is for low, moderate, and high intensity exercises. And, you know, there's got to be a way for you to take into consideration your resting heart rate and the percentages of what we call your heart rate reserve. So what I want to do right now, just walk you all through how you come up with one, number one, your resting heart rate. And then number two, uh, what in the science world, exercise science world, they call the the Carvonin method, which is essentially a form formula that takes into consideration your maximum heart rate, your resting heart rate, and then it takes into consideration your exercise intensity within, you know, a certain percentage of that of that heart rate reserve, which could be anywhere from, you know, 50 to 80%, 50 to 90% of your your total max heart rate. So, walking through that first and foremost, it's most important 
to get a gauge over you know, two, three days to know what your resting heart rate is. Again, you know, this is going to be a lot easier for you that have uh, technology, wrist wear, heart rate monitors that you're able to, to get that feedback without having to do anything. It's a lot more uh, comprehensive, a little bit more efficient, allows you to kind of see how things uh, progress over time. But for, for those of you that do not have any type of technology, simply you can do it several different ways, but if you want to, you know, take a 10 count or a 15 second count, you just multiply, you know, the difference, you know, by 60. Um, but you need to count the beats within those different uh, ranges. So if you've got 10, 10 second count that you're doing, you're going to take your pulse, and you can do that, you know, right on your radial pulse. And if you don't know what your radial pulse is, that's why we have Google. You can get on Google and you can uh, you figure out where your radial pulse is. But you want to. You know, be light on your fingertips and put that right at that that uh, that pulse point right on your thumb side of your wrist. Take that count, count that up, 10 seconds, multiply that by six. That's your resting heart rate. If you do that over two to three days, that should show you, you know, within good accuracy where you're at. Now, what I would kind of, you know, caution you with is, you know, I wouldn't do this during times where you've had heavy activity. I would certainly make make sure that you've been resting for 15, 20 minutes at a time. Sometimes first thing in the morning or, you know, right at night when you've been resting in bed, you're getting ready to go to sleep are the best times to take your resting heart rate. Um, you do want to be mindful that you're not on a lot of caffeine as that can uh, change your heart rate response and you want to make sure that that's as accurate as possible. So you know, once you've figured out what that resting heart rate is, that's that's a great place to start because then that's going to really be part of the equation of this, uh, this heart rate zone intensity formula that we're going to do to create your personal target heart rate zone so that you can know as we lay out these five different target heart rate zones where you fit within your own personal target heart rate within those zones and what benefits that you can anticipate over time by ex exercising within those certain and specific intensities. So moving forward to max heart rate, we talked about resting heart rate. Max heart rate is something that is somewhat controversial, but to me, this is very simple. You know, there's always going to be a standard deviation with anybody that's out there. There's some genetic type things that say that you can have plus or minus 10 uh, standard deviations of beats per minute based upon, you know, what this equation is that I'm going to tell you. But for the most part, this is one of the most accurate ways to figure out your your target heart rate max. Um, and then we're going to use that within this Carvonin formula to come up with a range that's going to help you to identify where you need to be in order to get the maximal amount of health benefits from your target heart rate zone training plan. So max heart rate, you're going to simply take 220 minus your age. And, you know, so you're, that's essentially going to get you to that maximal point of what we would predict is right around your max heart rate. Now, what we're going to do now, now that you've got that, that maximum heart rate, because you've taken 220 minus your age, you've taken a couple different days of, of data in regards to your resting heart rate, we're going to actually plug those numbers into the Carvonin formula. Again, you can Google the Carvonin formula. I'm going to put this in the show notes so that you guys have reference to that as well. So if you're like, what the heck was he talking about? What numbers do I plug in? I will do an example of myself personally and what my target heart rate zones are based upon my own maximum heart rate, my resting heart rate, and those training intensities. 
And that will allow you to kind of have a blueprint of how you can create your own target heart rate zone. But for this example specifically, so we're going to take target heart rate uh, Carvonin formula. We're going to take 220 minus your age. That's your maximum heart rate. So we're going to start off. You've got your max heart rate, and then you're going to subtract from your maximum heart rate your resting heart rate. That's going to give you essentially a number that is you know, essentially your, your heart rate reserve. And then we're going to multiply that number by a percentage of intensity. For, for simple purposes, I like everyone to, to do at 50%. So I want you to, to multiply that total number, which is max heart rate minus resting heart rate times 50%. And then I want you to add back in your resting heart rate. And then that's going to give you that bottom tier of what your target heart rate zone is at 50% intensity. Now, as we look at towards the top, to me, for all of us, I think we need to know where 80% is. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the, the fifth zone as we get to that point in this segment and really how long you should be in that zone. That's not a zone that we really want to shoot for on a regular basis. So for me and for all of you uh, to have maximal health benefits, we want to operate between 50 and 80% of uh, intensity of this heart rate reserve in order to get the maximal amount of health benefits and really have the least amount of risk from a health perspective. So knowing we, we set that lower 50%, now we're going to do the same equation. We're going to take your max heart rate minus your resting heart rate. We're going to multiply that number by 80%, 0.80, and then you're going to add back in your resting heart rate, and then that's going to give you your top tier within this Carvonin formula in regards to your target heart rate zone. So this is the most important thing that you can take away from this segment is getting those numbers down. There is nothing more objective than having a very specific heart rate to be able to monitor, track, and kind of create you know goals with over time. Because as you become more fit, and as you reap the benefits of, of regular exercise, this is something that you can specifically point back to that gives you feedback on what your actual exercise intensity is. And I think, you know, the, the more surgical you are in this manner in regards to setting your, yourself up for success in regards to tracking this, the more results that you're going to see, you know, on the back end as well. Pushing forward, what I want to do now is just focus on the five different zones and give you just a quick breakdown of an overview of zone one, two, three, four, and five. And then we're just going to dig just a little bit deeper into each zone one by one. And then we'll wrap this thing up nicely towards the end and, and really hopefully allow you to, to commit to, to figuring out how you can be called to action and take this information and go out and, and utilize it to, to best help you on your personal wellness journey. So zone one, warm-up, 50 to 60% of your maximum heart rate. It's a warm-up zone for many, but it's a great place for people just starting an exercise program. It, guys, I know this isn't very uh, macho, but you get nearly all your exercise benefits when you're within this 50 to 60% of your target heart rate. And there's very little risk to your body. So this is a great place for people to start out who have not exercised for a while. There are studies that show that cholesterol and blood pressure is decreased at this zone. So these are there's great health benefits, uh, very low risk to your health in zone one with staying within 50% to 60% of that maximum heart rate. Zone two is considered the general fitness stage. 
and 60 to 70% of your maximum heart rate. The benefits are the same as zone one, but more total calories are burned. So you're essentially looking at higher intensity levels. You know, you're essentially 10% higher than zone one, um, which means that your heart's pumping a little bit harder, which means you're going to have an increased opportunity to burn calories. Zone three is the endurance zone. So we're looking at 70 to 80% of your maximum heart rate in this zone. If you're training for an endurance event, this is your zone. Strengthens and, and improves your cardiovascular and respiratory systems and increases the strength of your heart. More total calories, just like we talked about in zone two, your heart's going to be you know, beating a little bit faster, which means you're going to be expending a little bit more energy. And what this does is 50% of that energy burned is from fat. So that's zone three. Zone four is going to be performance training. You're looking at 80 to 90% of your maximum heart rate. This high intensity zone improves the amount of oxygen your body can absorb. Only 15% of your calories here are burned from fat. So you've got a little bit more uh, protein and carbohydrate utilization from an energy source perspective. And then zone five is the maximum zone. This is where your 90% to 100% of your maximum heart rate most people stay in this zone for only very, very brief, short periods of time, and only athletes in very good physical shape should even train here. Nearly all exercise professionals recommend that you spend most of your times in zones under 80% of your target heart rate maximum. The benefits are the greatest here, and the risks are at their lowest. I want to say that again. Training, like I said, you know, we talked about creating your target heart rate zone, which is for you specifically taking in your target heart rate maximum and your resting heart rate and multiplying that within your 50% ranges all the way up to your 80% ranges. The studies are showing that you have maximal amounts of benefit and the least amount of risk. And that is extremely important. That's what we all want to do. We want to manage risk. We want to maximize and optimize our benefits. For serious athletes, though, there's there some dif differing opinions on how much time you should spend in some of these higher zones. And for me personally, you know, I think that it has to be individually based. I think now what you're seeing in different athletic arenas, you're seeing NBA players that are wearing heart rate monitors now during games. You're seeing NFL players, I believe they started a couple years ago, wearing heart rate straps underneath their, uh, their chest or their, their shoulder pads. And that gives data to the staff and the training teams and the medical staff about what their energy levels are, what their risk for, for injury and fatigue are when they get to certain uh, levels of, of heart rate max. And so there's all these different things that you can track now. And I think the most important thing is that you have to collect data for higher level athletes in order to figure out how much you should be training them within the, these maximum zones. But as we've kind of given a little bit of an overview of that, now I want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into each zone. Zones one and two can really be lumped together as these are great zones for those that are beginning a fitness program to help you build up just an aerobic base. Improving our ability to take in oxygen efficiently and transport it to working muscles is one of the most foundational things that all of us can do in regards to you know starting a training program. You know, further work in those muscles and developing a greater ability to utilize oxygen to make fuel to support our exercise. We want to make sure that we're, we're uh, you know, influencing capillaries, which, you know, small blood vessel beds are expanding and our heart and lungs are getting stronger. We also burn in this, these zones, zone one and two, 
more fat calories that are efficiently uh, processed during this zone training. The more fit that we become, the more effective we become in using fat as a fuel source. It's in these zones that we burn the highest ratio of calories from fat as opposed to carbohydrates or protein. We all need to make sure we take caution, however, you know, in, in interpreting the meaning of you know, how we burn things. That we, we consider zone one and two gray and blue zones, which are not the best zones for burning the most amount of calories, yet you know, it's, it's burning a higher level of fat. So um, you know, the most important factor to look at is, is total you know, calories burned, However, the gray and blue zones will be most effective for burning fat calories specifically. So integrating two to three workouts per week in these zones for people that haven't worked out for a while is pretty spot on. The gray and blue zones, zone one and two, are good active recovery zones for intermediate and advanced exercisers. So clients should target these zones in between high-intensity cardio or resistance training days. These zones are also a good target if your client wants to go for a long duration workout. So these are all things that are quoted from the Association of Fitness Studios and is backed by PhD Research. So in summary, zone one and two is great for beginners. It's a great spot to start at a lower heart rate intensity, gives you some maximal, uh, optimal, I wouldn't say maximal, but it gives you some optimal benefits of burning fat, higher fat burning zone, but yet you're not going to burn as many calories in this zone. And it's also a great zone for people that are a little bit higher in their exercise routines and are more used to an intermediate or advanced training program. Um, Or maybe you do a lot of resistance training, and this is a great area for you to be in between your resistance training, um, you know, sessions that you're having during the week. So, Overall, good summary for zone one, two, great place to start, good intermittent spot for advanced exercisers to blend in to their week when they're having a higher level of intensity with specific exercise sessions that maintain higher levels of intensity. Zone three is really the beginning of you know new exercisers or anyone that is, is starting to build up their capacity. I would include myself in that that zone. You know, I'm I'm six weeks into three times a week really expanding, um, you know, my ability to get my heart rate up for a long period of time. But it's in this green zone. We, we say this is the green zone. It's the go zone where new exercisers start to expand aerobic capacity to a greater extent and elevate what we call anaerobic threshold. Anaerobic threshold is the level of oxygen consumption above which aerobic metabolism is supplemented by anaerobic metabolism, which causes a sustained increase in what we call lactate and metabolic acidosis. By elevating our anaerobic threshold, we are increasing our ability to work at higher intensities for longer periods without fatigue. So when you get into higher levels, when you're working with athletes, there's different periodizations that you look at, um, different strength coaches that will actually look at lactic acid thresholds for some of their athletes because you don't want to have too much lactate um, that's being produced Uh, in these anaerobic thresholds, because then that can also impact muscle recovery. It can impact, um, you know, several different performance factors as well. So there's a sweet spot in in regards to, you know, what we want to, uh, to, to, to emphasize within this zone. 
But the green zone is a good recovery zone as well for intermediate intermediate or advanced exercises, just like we talked about zone one and zone two. You know, if, if you're doing a tempo or interval training, um, this can consist of like three to five minute bouts of higher intensity work. So you're doing kind of what we, we talk about yellow red zones, you know, so some of the, the higher explosive football players, maybe some of the basketball players, if you're doing some of those higher level heart rate trainings because you need those quick bursts at higher intensities, this is a good spot to come back for for recovery on an off day to, to get in between that 70 to 80% heart rate and, and allow you to recover at a, at a better, better pace. But ultimately, this zone three, the green zone, is a great place to expand your aerobic capacity to continue to get bigger uh, you know, burn in regard to ca- total calorie loss and also giving you the, the, the biggest capacity for respiratory lung capacity and, and just getting the downward effect of all of the, the good things that go with being within 70, 80% of your heart rate. And then we push on to zones four and five, and, and we really label these as yellow and red zones. So thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm an Indianapolis native, thinking about the Indianapolis 500 and, and different races and the flags that go out, you know, yellow zones, caution, red zone, stop, right? You know, so we're looking at zone four as yellow and zone five as red. And in the, the yellow zone four, you're 80 to 90% of your maximum heart rate. At zone five, you're at 90% of that maximum heart rate, which is your red zone. And this is really intended for everyone to do within short duration zones. This is not something that any of you who are just starting an exercise program, you should not be 90% or more in your target heart rate uh, maximum zone. You just shouldn't be there. There's no point in doing that. It's, uh, for one, it's extremely uncomfortable. I, I would, you know, get even the most athletic people, the most in shape people to go out and get in within 90% or plus of their maximum heart rate. And it's uncomfortable. It's, it's, it, you can't carry a talk. You can't do very, uh, you know, much. You, you mentally can only focus on the task at hand. And, and what we talked about earlier as well is that, you know, all of the studies have shown that 80% and less of your target heart rate zone is where you're going to reap the most amount of health benefits with the least amount of risk. So we really don't want to, starting out, force you to get to 90% or higher. It's really when you start to get into more of that intermediate or being an advanced exerciser and you have shown that you have the consistency and you've safely gotten your heart rate to be able to go from a healthy resting heart rate to a progressive zone multiple times over several months, and then you're able to get and push your heart by getting it in short duration bouts through high intensity training, very low bouts of, uh, of workouts with you know built-in recoveries. Typically, we're doing somewhat of a two-to-one work-to-recovery ratio. So for some, you know, you may push really hard for 60 seconds, and then we may provide you with 30 seconds of recovery time. And then you jump right back into it and you do 60 seconds of high intensity work and then 30 seconds of recovery time. And you may do that for 10 minutes. You know, for higher advanced intermediate, that's what you would certainly do. But as, you're, as you build your fitness level, you're going to be able to sustain longer periods of time in this yellow and red zone. And perhaps starting with those short intervals during which you're you're going to essentially push into those zones, you're going to then complete a longer recovery in those green or blue zones. So we're talking about, you know, 
50 to to 80%, you know, on your off days, you're really going to focus on recovery within those target heart rate ranges. And that's really going to be uh, something that you're going to you know, schedule and, and plan into your periodization or your workout week if you are going to do these higher level yellow and red uh, type zones that you, you, you can't do that all the time and you can't do it for long bouts. So, you know, if you're going to do this, you need to do this strategically and you need to surround yourself with lower heart rate uh, exercises or bouts within that time frame. So, you know, as, as we mentioned previously, yellow and red zones, major calorie burning zones, you know, not just during your, your workout, but afterward as well. There's some of you that may have heard the term post-exercise oxygen consumption, so EPOC. I remember when I was, uh, you know, undergrad studying exercise science at Ball State University, and we used to spend time in the human performance laboratory there, and we would do everything from VO2 max, looking at oxygen uptake of some of the best athletes in the world, but then simply doing that on, on ourselves and other classmates and really getting an idea of our oxygen consumption. And what they've shown physiologically when you study exercisers is that there is this phenomenon that refers to this, this post-exercise oxygen consumption that requires additional oxygen you know, to help you recover from a high-intensity workout. So essentially, you'll continue to expend calories at a higher rate as you recover than what you normally would burn at rest. So the the great thing of this, and this is this is the benefits really of of higher levels of zone three and zone four, zone five, is that as you get into these higher levels of intensity, that post-exercise oxygen consumption is forcing higher aerobic capacity of your lungs and all those different types of things. So your body is generating more demand for recovery. Um, which then demands more calories to help uh, create that process and that recovery process. So for those of you that are looking to to lose more weight, this is a great way to do that with an interval interval uh, training. But you have to to earn the right to get up into these ranges, and it really starts with starting out small and and getting consistent. And that's where I come in and and recommend that all of you start if you haven't been tracking your heart rates to that 50 to 60, 50 to 70%. Let's do that for, you know, six weeks. And then after you've done that for six weeks, if you want to then start flirting with, you know, doing some interval training in between, that's great. But first and foremost, I think the the most important thing that I want all of you to carry away and to take away from today's segment is that you need to make sure that you're being as healthy as you possibly can. You're making really good decisions in regards to if you're healthy enough to, uh, actually go on a target heart rate training program and just ensuring that you're tracking that progress because over time what you should see as you're getting healthier is you should you should see your resting heart rate decrease you should see your heart rate within certain exercise intensities tend to decrease as you become more fit because then the work becomes less burdensome on your heart and your heart becomes more efficient therefore it does not have to seek higher rates of heart rate beats per minute in order to achieve that same intensity. We really want to get to that point because then that allows you to figure out what that next step is. And then, you know, essentially we want to get to the point where we can track our recovery. 
And if you get to the point where you, you're at your maximal or your average heart rate for a certain period of time, what you want to do then is figure out how long it takes you to get back to within 20 beats per I, 20 to 40 beats per minute of your resting heart rate. And that is a great time slot to be able to essentially track how well your heart is recovering from higher intensity exercise. So I say all of this to give you guys encouragement and to let you know that this is a very surgical, mathematical, objective exercise that all of you can do to help improve your health. For me, you know, I, I look at all the lost opportunity that I've had over the last several years. And, you know, I speak about being a former collegiate athlete and I understand everything. I've always been a running, I, I should slow down a little bit. I don't understand everything, but I understand everything in regards to, you know, the aerobic capacity of, of running and higher heart rates. And running is not the only way that you can get your heart rate up, by the way. We'll talk a little bit of that as we wrap this segment up. But, you know, most importantly, being a running athlete my entire, you know, career as a basketball player, you know, I always had an ability to to train and to, to get my heart rate up. And as I've, you know, moved away from those college days, you know, I, I don't play basketball as much. My cardio uh, vascular focus is not as high. I naturally tend to, you know, kind of deviate more towards a strength training program where I do three to four times a week, which is phenomenal. I love doing that. But what I realize is that there's gaps in my ability to get my heart rate up to really achieve what the science has shown is the most maximal health benefits that you can have through manipulating and, and programming your target heart rate. So I want to bring you all encouragement knowing that if you can just get the science down, work through these zones, start at zone one, go to zone two, get to zone three, earn the right to get to zone four and zone five, you are then going to have the ability to kind of create this program for yourself that is going to regulate your mood and do all of those things that I talked about in the Build a Better Brain segment. And, uh, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I will get into this on probably a, a, a more granular level at future episodes. But, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy is I really enjoy running. And I know I've talked a little bit about this. I think it becomes more natural for me just because, you know, I was a running athlete. I was a wide receiver in football in high school, was, you know, a combo guard in college. I was always very used to, to running type sports. And, you know, for me, I've just, as a physical therapist, I've, I've grown a love for even looking at how the, the utilizations of different postural muscles and how it's a whole body movement and how there's different levels of flexibility that are required to run. And while I understand that not everyone has the opportunity to be able to run, um, if you do have the opportunity and you're not trying to, to, to run on some level, I think you're missing a huge opportunity. And uh, the reason I say that is because as I started six weeks ago, it was really hard for me um, as I started out to not get my heart rate up uh, or, or to, to keep it low, I should say. As I, as I started, my heart rate was, was much higher um, you know, because I was more out of shape. And, and I've gotten to the point now where I'm at a steady state, 160 beats per minute. And what I'm looking forward to is within those three minutes, 30 minutes, I'm sorry, of you know, running 3.75 miles, you know, what I'm looking forward to is seeing that 160 beats per minute get down to 150 beats per minute 
over the next month. And then as soon as I'm able to do that and I can track that I'm at 150 beats per minute for that, I may tweak a couple things. I may run a little bit further. I may uh, increase my running pace, which is going to increase then up um, my heart rate. But you know what I want to do ultimately is I want to find ways to keep my heart rate there between 30 to 45 minutes because that's what the science has shown gives you the most amount of benefits is if you're within your training zones, you're going to burn the most amount of calories between 30 to 45 minutes. You're going to get the most optimal amount of uh, neurotransmitter release from your brain, which is going to give you a more positive outlook, better energy source, make you feel, you know, just overall a lot better. Um, And, you know, ultimately, I think that's going to lead you into a healthier lifestyle that's only going to reward you and allow you to keep coming back. And that's what I've experienced over the last six weeks is that I've really, really enjoyed anticipating my next next cardio workout. Um, And I'm still doing my strength training in between. But, you know, I think one of the things that's really helped me out is knowing that I've got more of a comprehensive plan now. So, you know, as we as we we sign off, you know, I'm, I'm extremely uh, passionate, as you can tell, about where this target heart rate can take you and how it can help you lead a healthy, healthier lifestyle. I think first and foremost, if, if all of you have good health insurance, which I know this is a trying time, not all of us do, I would highly encourage you go out and get your labs pulled and, and check your cholesterol, check your triglycerides, check your glucose, check your blood pressure, check all of those different lab pulls that are health derivatives. And then get on these target heart rate training programs and go back to your doctor and check that in six months and see if you've made a big splash and a change for the better with your health. There's not a better way to track that than to just test and retest. So I hope you guys all take this information. You run with it. I would be thrilled if you guys could give feedback, if you could write a review on SportsSquire on any of the podcast platforms that you're listening to. Give me a like, You know, give me a rating. You know, if, if, if you're having a great time, please chime in and, and give me some feedback on those platforms. That way I can serve you better and help educate you more on your personal wellness journey. I hope you all have a great rest of the week and we will talk to you next Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Sports Squire podcast. Check out the show notes for anything you missed during today's episode. Click subscribe if you haven't already to ensure you get updates on the latest Sports Squire episodes. And remember, as a Sports Squire, your greatest self is found at the intersection of knowledge and action. Don't be normal, be a Sports Squire.